outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. I'm your host, Tony Peterson, and today's episode is all about taking advantage of your best hunting situations and apologizing to no one. Okay, uh, this, is, this is a weird episode, so bear with me. The idea for it actually came from listening to the Exodus podcast a couple of weeks ago. No, those fellows over there at that company not only make some pretty sweet trail cameras and some other outdoor gear, but they also have a great podcast as well. And in the episode I listened to, they actually talked about me, which was flattering and pretty sweet. But they also got onto the topic of where they hunt and the bucks they target, and it got me thinking. So now you get to hear, uh, I guess, what I was thinking. Perspective is important. You younger listeners might not quite grasp that yet, but, but listen, trust me. As you get older and you get a little better at spotting the BS and a lot less tolerant of it, you start to realize a few things. One of those is that perspective is so important. Nuances too. My old boss, Ben O'Brien, who has moved on to things beyond the meat eater world, often used to talk about how he was pro-nuance. Now, Ben's a smart guy, and he has dug into enough issues to know and probably believe the old saying about there being three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the truth, if you will. Now, why do I say this? Well, there's many reasons. Life has an annoying habit of showing you how good life really is, or sometimes how bad it can be. I've mentioned this briefly on a few different episodes, but the people who I look up to 
more than most in this world, they're not the ones that are known for their hunting skills. They happen to be a couple of my wife's relatives who lost the genetic lottery when they conceived their second child. Their son, Jake, was born with mitochondrial disease. This isn't a terribly common disease, but it is terrible, period. Within the first two years of his life, it was evident he wasn't advancing on a normal toddler-type schedule. And by the time he should have been in kindergarten playing with his peers, he was using a walker to barely get around. By the time he should have been in second grade, he was on a feeding tube and then a breathing tube, full-time in a wheelchair. Basically, he needed 24-hour care and often, well, pretty often, an ambulance to take him to the hospital for respiratory issues or worse. Jake's life, and subsequently the life of his loved ones, was dominated by the effects of that mitochondrial disease. Now, a few days before Christmas last year, his heart stopped. While medics eventually got it going, the brain damage had been done. The outlook was not good, and it got worse as the scans and the tests rolled in. When they took Jake off of life support, he passed away a few minutes later at the age of 14. The weight of his death on his family is pretty heavy. I mean, real heavy stuff, my friends. It's hard to imagine a much worse hand to be dealt, although such hands are dealt every day in this world, and no one can say why. But it doesn't matter if it could be explained, to be honest. When you see the dice roll a certain way for folks, and there's no escaping the gravity of those situations, it makes me feel an inch tall when I bitch about missing a deer or not having a very good hunt or a very good season. It makes me feel like a grade A piece of shit for all of the complaints, to be honest. And that's what this episode is about. When those fellows over at Exodus, Jake and Chad, broke down this year on their podcast, the way I mentioned at the beginning, they got into the topic of how it almost seemed shameful to shoot a buck anywhere but on public land these days. And they both agreed that was pretty stupid. And you know what? I do too. Even though I'm as guilty of pushing the public land message, I don't know, more than just about anyone short of the hunting public crew out there. But those guys, they're smart dudes that they are, they were right. It doesn't matter where you shoot your deer. You should be just happy to have places to hunt. Now, I know that's an easy thing to say, but it's harder to live that life in practice. This is because the jealousy thing is so real, and so is the reality that all of our egos are just a little more fragile than we'd like to admit to our friends, let alone thousands of strangers who listen to you ramble on for 17 or 18 minutes a week. It's also easy to be judgy. Well, maybe not for you, but for me, it's a freaking breeze. I recently saw a thread on Bowsight about an industry fellow who claimed to have killed his sixth 200-inch whitetail. I don't know the guy, but I do know his reputation, and I personally feel like he hasn't done us hunters any favors. I don't want to say his name. So that was an easy one for me, though. I could think, without straining the old gray matter too hard, that, I don't know, maybe he shot it illegally or with a ton of advantages. I mean, he does, after all, have a track record of some citations. But here's the thing. I don't know anything about him. I don't know anything about his deer. I know I don't like what he stands for, kind of. Although in the eyes of plenty of people, he and I have similar jobs and probably look similarly douchey. That's a bummer for me. But what am I going to do about it? I don't know if the guy has any real hunting skill or not. 
it's easy, again, for me to think, well, I know he has quite a bit of land in Iowa to work with and a hell of a lot of money to work with. Those two things, well, actually just the money thing, they can get you to a 200-inch buck, maybe not six of them. But it'll get you a hell of a lot faster than, I don't know, scouting and whatever else will. But the real question is, why should I care? Shouldn't I be happy for him or at least, I don't know, agnostic about it? It's harder than it looks. And honestly, is fairly muddied up when you consider the representation of our industry and his legal issues. Fine. Maybe that guy sucks and he deserves to be judged. But what about some other random hunter who happens to arrow a giant? What's the first reaction? Mine is often to assume, which is a bad idea, that they must have a great place to hunt. Many do. But does that really take away anything from their kill and why does it make me feel better to find out it's some blue collar man or woman who happened to knock on the right farmer's door or better yet get a little lucky on some state land why does that matter it shouldn't but i forget that all the time it's hard not to get jealous i had a conversation with a buddy of mine recently where he mentioned that it seems like everyone has more money than him even though he knows that's not true He's just perceiving the world that way. And I think a lot of us do this in so many different ways. When I go up to the lake where we have our travel trailer, I see bass boats that would cost 75 to 100 grand new now. I see wake boats that cost double that. And I always think, where the hell do these people get their money? And why can't I have some of it? And then I realize, well, I have a bass boat. It's certainly not new. It's a 1999, but a hell of a lot of people in a, I don't know, little aluminum deep V boats have commented on how much they like the look of that boat. I'm sure the folks I see paddling around in canoes and kayaks might trade me for a day or maybe a summer too. When I was younger and I couldn't kill a deer despite hours and hours and hours of effort, I always sort of hated the guys who wrote for magazines. I softly despised, I don't know, like the Realtree crew or the Monster Bucks crew or the Primos guys or whoever was making the videos I saw where they were routinely killing bucks way bigger than I ever saw, literally ever saw in my life, hunting or not hunting. But why? Because I was jealous. I wanted what they had. Now, I don't actually want a wake boat, for example. In fact, I hate them, but I wish I could afford one. I don't want to shoot a high fence deer without the fences on a primo managed piece of ground either. I just want the offer, maybe the invite. I want to be able to look people in the eye and tell them, I could have hunted someplace really sweet, but I'm going to go grind it out on public. Why does that matter? It doesn't, but it's a way of thinking. It's a stuck in the rut mindset, which is kind of damaging. It's like right now. If you take five seconds to read about the economy, you'll be bombarded with negativity. Inflation has the cost of all the essentials in our life way, way higher than a couple years ago. The stock market isn't trending in a direction that produces tons of millionaires, unless you're really good at shorting stocks. Demand for housing is abating. People are putting more money on credit cards. On the surface, not so great. Underneath the surface, also not so great. Many people, especially young people, We'll look at this as another grand kick to the old nutsack from the boomers who control the whole machine or some other such excuse which doesn't hold a whole lot of water. 
It's a prime breeding ground for negativity. And the mindset that once broke, always broke. Or that, you know, never get ahead in this world. But the folks who have weathered through a few bear markets are actually looking at it like it's an opportunity to follow the old Oracle of Omaha into some discounted shares of solid companies. Maybe they're buying into the whole market. Maybe some I-bonds or some other inflation-protected asset. The mindset is, it's probably not as bad as it seems if I can make a few good decisions from here until this thing starts to turn around. And these folks who own their mindset and can make a few disciplined decisions will probably end up pretty happy with themselves when the whole thing balances out and starts turning black again and more often than it turns red. Because the way we think about this stuff matters so much. If you have a bad attitude, you're stuck on public land while so many people are growing and naming deer on sweet little pieces of paradise where the bucks never look up in trees and the genetics are hand-selected by the big man in the sky himself to produce, I don't know, top-end typicals and gnarly points-everywhere non-typicals. I'll bet someone would still change places with you, even if you're just pounding it out on public land and you don't have that dream scenario. Think about that. You might not get to hunt that, I don't know, easy babysat deer that would make a great TV show kind of buck. That's okay. Some people luck into spots like that. Some people work their asses off somewhere else to buy into that world. Now, if you won't or can't, that's okay. Ask yourself, what do you have that's still pretty sweet? Do you have land that you can hunt anytime? That's pretty good. It really is. And even if we often bitch about public land and look down on it, at least until we kill something on it and can brag away, the truth is it's better than living where you have no public land to hunt. That's pretty simple, right? It's kind of like having a, I don't know, a cheap 14-foot aluminum boat with a 25-horsepower tiller-steered motor on it is better than fishing from shore. Having a spot to go to where you can at least, theoretically, kill a deer or two is a lot better than not having any place to go hunt. Better yet, with that land, you have the option of putting in some sweat equity to influence your results in a positive way. That's kind of a bonus, isn't it? So what if your wife's cousin works in finance and has money to buy, I don't know, a $15,000 landowner tag out west to hunt elk that bugle so much they sometimes pass out from the effort? What if you can't afford an over-the-counter elk hunt in a trampled unit even if you lived on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for 10 days and someone spotted you the gas money to get there? Find something else. Maybe the mountains are out of reach, but a couple of days across the state line with your buddies for some turkeys or small game or whitetails or whatever, that could be in the cards. Maybe you'll never get to fish the ocean, but maybe you have some pretty sweet little trout streams near your house that you can fish any damn time you please. That's not nothing. And it doesn't do us any good to focus on the asshole who can afford to fish in the ocean. It doesn't do us any good to keep up with the hunting Joneses because they probably aren't any happier than you are. Oh, or maybe they are. And it's on you to be a little bit happier about what you do have. That's what I'm trying to do. If you have a badass spot to hunt deer and never really see a reason to pick up your bow unless he's a 180 or better, good for you. I hope every once in a while you take somebody out to hunt does or shed hunt or something because that's a gift worth sharing. But the same goes for the public land hunter scraping by in an attempt to shoot a doe or a forky. It could always be worse. You could not hunt or not have a place to hunt 
or have an accident at work that breaks both of your arms the day before the bow season opens up. Or worse, an accident at home that breaks both of your arms because you were doing something stupid like spraying hornets on the eaves of your house and the ladder falls over when you get stung right between the eyes. Or hell, you find out that you and your wife happen to carry a rare recessive gene and occasionally in that situation when you make a child together, that child will live a short life with a horrible disease. Perspective, my friends. Things could always be worse. So maybe we shouldn't be trying to make things worse for ourselves or others. Maybe we should just be happy for the fortunate souls who happen to be born into a family that just happened to start buying Southern Iowa ground in the 1950s and now sits on a couple of sections of the best deer dirt out there. We should be happy for the hard worker who saves up for the trip to the mountains to hear a real bugle at least once. Or the person who talks his buddies into paying for a lease to experience deer hunting the way he and his buddies want to experience it. Life isn't fair. It isn't equitable in its distribution of wealth and of opportunity. But if you're up walking and talking and capable of climbing into a tree stand and holding a bow up to shoot it, you're probably doing all right. If you have a little cabin to go to for the firearm season where some good friends and a few of your relatives will be, and you get to play some cards and eat some chili and drag out a few deer, I'd say you're pretty damn lucky. And I'm happy for you. I'm happy for all of us, honestly. Those of us who love to deer hunt, we already have a leg up on the rest of the population. I truly believe that. Do you know how exciting it is to see a good buck walking down the trail when you know he's going to eventually be in range and you're eventually going to shoot at him? That's what daddy likes. And the folks who don't know that feeling... They're everywhere, and they don't even know what they're missing. We do, you and I, the hunters. So really, no matter where you hunt, why you hunt, or whatever, I'm actually happy for you. Whitetail hunting successfully, and by that I mean in a way that is rewarding, whether you slay booners every year or couldn't kill a button buck on a high fence corn pile with a week's worth of effort, is the goal, and it doesn't matter where we do it what the final score is whether we notched a deer tag on private land or the most heavily hunted piece of public land out east somewhere doesn't matter it's all good and we should all be happy we still have some fellow hunters out there fighting the good fight and living for the same reasons we live for that's all i have for this episode this has been the wired to hunt foundations podcast brought to you by first light i'm tony peterson and i sincerely want to thank you for the support and if you need more whitetail wisdom, head on over to TheMeatEater.com slash Wired and check out my latest articles along with articles from Mark and Bo Martonic and Alex Gilstrom and a whole bunch of whitetail killers. And you can also view a ton of how-to videos on our Wired to Hunt YouTube channel where Mr. Kenyon and myself break down all kinds of deer hunting strategies. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. 
Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.